Hello, and welcome to the Knitting on the Run podcast. You can find me on Ravelry and Instagram as Windswept Monique. Please come join us in the Ravelry group and let me know what you want to hear about. Show notes can be found at knittingontherun.podbean.com. This is episode 22. I'm recording on September 20th, 2017. Today's topics include whips, knitting fail, knitting chat. We're going to talk about the importance of taking measurements. And in On the Run, we're going to talk about foam rolling. You might hear my cat. She's roaming around here. She decided to join us for the recording today. Hi, Callie. Can you say hi? Yeah, she just turned 16, so we're going to let her join in on the recording. Thank you, all of you, for your patience with me in getting this episode out. This is the third time I've tried to record this episode. Any of you who've ever lived with a two-year-old can appreciate why I only record when he's asleep, so you can imagine what the week has been like. And to top it off, the boys had stolen my pop filter last week to play with. I finally found it around 10 p.m. last night, buried under a blanket, because, you know, why not? Of course it's under a blanket. (laughs) But... Anyway, here we go. Oh, also, thank you very much for your kind concern about my in-laws. They are fine after Hurricane Irma. Since it swung west, it did nearly hit them directly, but it had weakened some, so they lost power for a long time, and they had three trees crash across their rather long driveway, but they cut a path out through the worst of it, and they've been able to get in and out of their house, and they're doing fine. And I truly hope that you and all your loved ones are safe, be it from Irma, Harvey, Maria, the fires out west, the Mexico earthquakes, the flooding last month in Nepal and India, whatever chaos is happening in your part of the world, please stay safe. I hope you and your loved ones are all safe. For whips, I am nearly done with Second Grace by Bristol Ivy. This is a stranded colorwork pattern, and I've been working on it in Barocco's Modern Cotton. It's 99% complete. Uh, the knitting part is done. I just need to weave in three billion ends and take some pictures. I'm thinking I might go back and actually make the collar a little bit narrower. The collar's a little bit wider than I would like to have on a a sweater I want to wear in the winter. And up in New England, we get cold, wet winters. It's, you know, and really windy since we're we're so close to the coast and whatnot. It it can be not too pleasant if, if you have a nice wide collar in a winter sweater. So I'll go change that eventually, but I want to enter that into a knit-along in the next two days. So I'm going to weave in the ends, take some pictures, and then sometime between now and Rhinebeck, I will go back and I will um, shrink the collar a little bit. But yes, this is my Rhinebeck sweater. I am going to Rhinebeck. I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later on. I've also been working on the Lilisan by Monica Eckert. I'm working on this in some deep stash. This is a colorwork cowl, a more of a traditional fair isle. It's only two colors. Uh, using Cascade Yarns Sateen in a sort of burgundy red color. And some old Rosetti Yarns Soft Payette, which is white with a few sequ- sequins for sparkle here and there. It's a Christmas gift from my aunt who loves those really true deep reds. And I'm having a lot of fun working on it. The pattern is beautiful. I really encourage you to take a look if you like working on color work. It's just a gorgeous pattern. I've also started Emerald Deep by Romy Hill. This is a shawl designed for green yarn, and I have some Prism Delicato layers in kale that I bought a few years ago to make a gift for my cousin's wife. Then I found out I was pregnant with baby number two, and it got put on hold, as did, you know, 
everything back then. Yeah. Hi, Callie. Cat is helping us again here. So I am halfway through chart number two. I love this shawl for the green yarn because, Callie, excuse me, Kitty, because it is so perfect. It's got a lace version of Celtic knotwork, which sounds really weird, but just go look it up on Ravelry. It's gorgeous. You'll see what I mean. And I can't wait to get to chart number three to work on that. I am so close. I'm also test knitting a preemie hat pattern for my friend Sarah Jordan, who I met at SSK this summer. She's a great designer. It's a sock weight preemie hat, and I am nearly done with the ribbing. I'm working this up in Barocco Comfort Sock, which leads to my sort of... Dun, 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 dun. So this is more of a parenting fail, technically, involving yarn, but work with me here. So I started the Itty Bitty Kitty preemie hat at the opposite end of a stand of yarn that has a partial second sock on it. Yes, I get massive second sock syndrome. It's been over a year. Whatever. No biggie. Until my two-year-old got a hold of it. So now I have complete yarn chaos, and I am alternating between unraveling the awful mess and knitting up what I have just unraveled. But uh, luckily, I have a bag from a company called Crafting My Chaos, which is absolutely perfect, and it's just the right size for a sock. <laughs> so it's been living in that bag, which ironically has Star Wars and the Millennium Falcon all over it, which... Maybe why we got into this to begin with, because my older son wants the bag. But anyway, so yes, my house is all about crafting chaos. That's what we do all day, every day. <laughs> In today's knitting chat, I want to talk about measuring yourself. The keys to knitting a garment that fits you perfectly are one, a good gauge swatch, and two, accurate measurements of your body. You really need someone else to help you with this. When you try to measure yourself, you actually shift your body a little bit to take those measurements, and that can affect your measurements. I can't stress enough how important it is to have someone else take your measurements. In the show notes, I'm linking to an older Lion Brand Yarns blog post that has lots of great pictures showing you exactly where and how to take 14 different measurements, including bust, waist, hips, arm length, armhole depth, all of which are critical to making sure a garment fits your body. So get a buddy, a tape measure, and a piece of paper and pen, and go take your measurements before you knit another garment. Just want to talk about a few of the more important ones, or maybe not the more important, but ones you'll see very frequently when you're just when you're knitting a garment for yourself. So bust, that is the fullest part of your chest over your breasts, where they are, where they are the biggest. You want an accurate measurement there. When they talk about waist, this is your natural waist, not where your pants sit. If you're unsure exactly where this is, it's often just under the rib cage. And if you bend sideways, look where your body creases. That's usually a pretty good indicator of where your natural waist is. It's often also the kind of the narrowest part of your torso. For hips, measure around the widest part of your hips. It's, it's usually around 8 inches, 20 centimeters or so below your natural waist. Now, don't measure yourself and say it's 8 inches down. I will take this measurement here. Look on your body. That's just a rough guideline to, to look to see where your hips might be approximately. For armhole depth, measure from the top outside edge of your shoulder down to your armpit. For the cross-back measurement, measure from shoulder to shoulder across your back, not your front. 
Many of us with modern computing and sitting in front of a desk have rounded shoulders, so the cross-back measurement will be larger than if you take the measurement across your chest. Make sure it's back. And in case you're wondering why no pattern ever seems to fit you perfectly as written, I am also linking to the Craft Yarn Council's sizing chart, so you can see what numbers designers are often expected to use, and I have links to the women's, men's, and kids' charts, because they're all slightly different. And because it bears repeating, get someone else to help you take these measurements. I cannot stress that enough. In On the Run, we are still talking about injury prevention, so I want to discuss a proactive technique that I've been using a lot the past two weeks, and that you can use to help yourself, a foam rolling. I've been using it because we have started kindergarten here, and we live roughly three quarters of a mile from school, give or take, and we're walkers. So that means when the weather's nice, I am now all of a sudden walking an additional about three miles a day, there and back in the morning, there and back in the afternoon, so it's about five kilometers a day, give or take, on top of my normal walking, which breaks the cardinal rule of running, don't increase mileage fast, I have out of the blue, and so I have some cranky quads and cranky IT bands and cranky soleus muscles that say, hey, hey, you're not supposed to be doing this. So foam rolling is one of the ways I've been working on this because, you know, this isn't a choice. We are a walking family to school. So I'm trying to take care of my body since I am not treating it as well as I should possibly be. Foam rolling is a type of self-massage where you use a tool, in this case a large foam cylinder, to release knots in the muscle and tight areas in your fascia, which is like a membrane over your muscles. It's sort of like the sack that holds your body together under your skin. And before I go any further, I'm going to say this again. I'm going to say this every week. I am not a medical professional in any sense of the word. I am merely someone who has been injured a whole lot over the years. And I'm sharing what I know and my journey with running so that you don't do what I did and that you don't get injured like I did. That's that's my goal in all this. If you are feeling pain in any way or discomfort that doesn't seem normal, please go see a licensed medical professional. So foam rolling. In its essence, it's quite simple. You are using your own body weight and a foam roller to carefully put pressure on the knots and tight places and work them out. This helps improve blood flow. It can increase your range of motion. When the tight places in your fascia start behaving normally again, they became like they behave like the normal stretchy cells instead of you know tightening and, and not letting your body move in its normal range of motion. Foam rolling can be uncomfortable, but it should not be excruciating. I am going to repeat this. I have been guilty of this myself. If you are gasping for pain, you are doing it wrong. One more time for the people in the back. Foam rolling should not be excruciatingly painful. If it is, you are doing it wrong. If it hurts a lot, lift some of your body weight up off the foam roller or attack the knot more gently and from a different direction. If you are getting sharp, serious pains, see a doctor. After foam rolling, you may find some of the areas are a little tender or even itchy. This is normal. The itchiness is actually a sign of blood flow returning to the area. It's a good sign. It's really weird that all of a sudden, you know, you know, your calf muscle might be itchy, like inside the muscle. That's okay. That's a good sign. 
After you foam roll, give those spots a day or two to recover before you roll out again, just to let them heal, basically. Uh, do not foam roll over joints. At best, it does absolutely no good, and at worst, you can hurt yourself. Stick to rolling out your soft tissue. If you need to roll out your back, and you can, I find this so helpful after lifting a 30-pound toddler around every day. Just make sure you angle yourself slightly to one side or the other so you're rolling either one side of your back muscles or the other. Do not roll straight up your spine. That is very bad for you. You can foam roll out basically any you know, decently sized muscle groups. I use it on my IT bands, which you know can tighten a lot, especially in runners, where I kind of an infamous group for getting IT band syndrome. I use it on my quads, my hamstrings, my calf muscles. Uh, with calf muscles, you can also angle your calves to get both half of the calf muscle groups, the sort of the inside ones and the outside ones. And you can also use it in your lower calves and your soleus muscles. I like it um, where the soleus muscles meet the calf muscles. You can, when you look at your at your lower leg, you can see the calf muscles are kind of the bulgy parts at the top of your lower leg. The soleus muscle is below that. It sort of connects. I'm going to get my anatomy wrong here. Just work with me. It's the lower part of the calf muscle, sort of above your Achilles tendon, but below those big bulgy calf muscles. And those can get a lot of very tight in runners and walkers. And it's also a part of the body that runners tend to ignore when we're doing some recovery, but it gets a lot of stress. And so foam rolling those out can actually be really helpful. So I am linking to a recent podcast by the new Get Fit Guy, Brock Armstrong, all about foam rolling. You can read his transcript or listen to it and find links to the studies he mentions, which I don't have time to get into here. Into here. I'm also linking to a runner, Runner's World article, which has videos showing you how to foam roll different muscles properly. And lastly, I am linking to a study from the National Institutes of Health here in the United States that quantified how foam rolling helped participants. So in summation, foam rolling is a technique that you can use to help yourself release tension in your muscles and fascia and prevent future injuries. It should not hurt. I know runners, I know, I know, I know, rolling out your IT band is not the most comfortable thing in the world. But if it has you yelping in pain, I'm going to repeat this, if you are yelping in pain and it hurts like the dickens, you are doing it wrong. I cannot repeat that enough. Back off and try again. More gently. Foam rolling should not be excruciating. And I'm repeating this for you non-runners out there or for some folks who've never foam rolled. I'm beating this to death because this is something that runners complain about a lot. They you know, put their entire body weight on their IT band and they're literally yelping out loud in pain because their IT bands have taken a lot of abuse from their running. And then suddenly, you know, these they're using all of their body weight on something they've never done before. Well, back off. Try half your body weight or a quarter your body weight or just gently apply pressure with the foam roller until it, it doesn't hurt. That's where you should be starting. That is your baseline. So it's going to be a short show this week. I am going to end the show here. My son is asleep and I'm going to go take advantage of that and go knit. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Stay safe and keep something beautiful on your needles for me. Bye-bye.